This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hey all Bayou Benders here to talk about DraftKings. The tournament is finally here, the bracket has been set, and the teams are ready to hit the court, and DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with the largest free basketball survivor pool ever. How large? One million dollars in total prizes are up for grabs, that's how large. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings one million dollar survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning ten thousand dollars for every upset throughout the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they survive, you advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that's code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. episode of Habs Nightly. I hear you, Mason. How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm, I'm fucking here. I'm fucking here. How are you? <laughs> uh, daylight savings is is just running amok amongst probably everybody. And poor Mason is still in the food industry and feeling it the worst today. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not that bad when you know. I just forgot. So I, I lost an hour of sleep. But we move on. I'll get. It. I got my day off tomorrow, so I'll catch up on it then. Good, good. Yeah, dude. Uh, when I was on, when I worked in the food industry, it was the worst because I was like the evening overseer, like basically like the manager at night, and our shift would end at two, but daylight savings would roll back at two. So, you know damn well that that person was supposed to come in, but because it didn't officially hit you know, two or three or whatever, whatever time it, it, it rolls back, he would get an extra hour to bullshit around and drink next door or whatever before his shift. And it was the most miserable feeling to see that clock roll back and then know you have another hour, you know, when you yeah, should that's... be at least at the gym at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking dog shit. Yeah. But um, it's been, it's been what, a couple of days. How you been, buddy? Uh, pain. I've been in pain watching the Habs play lately. I'll be honest. Uh, these games against Calgary. Credit where credit's due. Calgary just got a new coach. They're playing hard, but Montreal lost these games, in my opinion. 100%. Calgary's not that good. We're just playing like trash. And they seemed a bit more aggressive too. I mean, they were aggressive. Um. You know, the first time we saw him around with like the Dubay hit and stuff like that. Well, but... I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna blame us for the first game. We played two games in one day mm-hmm. and then yeah, got jet lagged. And like you're not winning that game. I would have liked to have gotten a point out of it, 
But what I'm really upset about is the game on Saturday night where, like, it, like we played a good game in the third period. We didn't show up until yeah. the third period. And, you know, positives, Jeff Petrie scored a fucking awesome goal because Drew N was the only player caring and sliced through the team to kind of feed him. And other than that, there wasn't much. Carey Price played well. And the rest of the Habs offense looks stale. It was stagnant and it was boring. We didn't do much. We, Calgary had 16 shots in the first period. That's ridiculous. We only got, I think we only had 18 shots in the whole game. This team averages 32 shots a game. That was an absolutely dismal performance and it wasn't even fun to watch. I Ask me like big impact moments in that game. And I couldn't name you any because I was, I felt like I, my brain was just getting fried watching this. I was so, so bored. Right. Um, and truthfully, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of weird that we paid, like you said, we played a game basically within the same day. And it seemed like we were, we were more together on that day. Like we still had fuel. And then on the day off, um, the game, you know, the game after was just like, like, I don't know. It was like doing leg day, like, you know, the following day, like your shit's messed up. And um, it was tough. You know, it, it's tough to look back at it right now and just see that, like, I guess we still had a, a couple a bit of wind wind in our sail, you know, carrying over from the last the last game against uh, Vancouver um, to play the to play the Flames in it and it still be a close game. I think both games were relatively close if you look at the score sheet, but uh, game two uh, Saturday night was just it was miserable. Like you said, uh, we did not come to play at all, really. Uh, Jeff Jeff Petrie just you know he's just on something right now. So thank God at least you know it wasn't a shutout. You know at least we. At a moment, you know, one person tried, and, and like you said, um, it was just it was just really tough to watch. I'm not gonna lie; it was really tough. Um, I feel the, I feel like the Flames did this to us early in the season. Um, I don't think. I mean, we kind of see it with us, you know. Ducharme came in; it took us maybe a couple of days, but uh, we've really attacked his system, and it's working well with us. You know, the Flames just get uh, Daryl Sutter back, and. He done bag skated them and shit, and you know they're playing tough again. They're playing, you know, they're rejuvenated, and you know, we just happen to be the people that they really took it out on. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if I want to give that much credit to Calgary though. Markstrom was phenomenal, made a game-saving save, mm-hmm. legitimately quite a few, like a few of them. We did get a goal ter- overturned because it was a kicking motion by Josh Anderson. Right. There were moments in which I think we could have stolen the momentum and we could have easily won that game, but we didn't. And it's something – it's not really – I don't think it's a rut anymore. I think something needs to be changed. Like, we need to figure out what's going on. I, I think Ducharme is going to have more time to implement his system. So we're going to have faith in that, but I think we need to make a move. And I kind of want to talk about a move I've seen on Twitter a lot. Okay. It's by no means my brainchild. I haven't thought this up (laughs) a lot. A lot of people are campaigning for Montreal to trade for Matthias Ekholm. 
and the Nashville Predators. And I want to know what your take on that is. Hmm. Um, I mean, truthfully, uh, I haven't seen it on Twitter, but I don't really see where that shapes for us. It could be, you know, um, it could well, be a, a bit too early for me to understand this. But I'll, I'm just. Do you want me to explain the premise of yeah, it? Yeah, please, please, because I'm. I feel like we have a, a decent defensive core right now, and I, I don't really understand where that comes in. I mean, the. Well, I think the idea comes from because there are reports that uh, Nashville's listening to offers on Ekholm because I think they're about to tear it down. Oh, yeah, they're 100% about to do a rebuild. And the idea is. Sherratt and Weber suck together now. This year, they've been awful. And okay. to be honest, I agree. And um, a lot of people are saying we need another puck-moving defenseman. And personally, I always thought Ekholm was a defensive guy. But after watching some highlights and looking at his stats, he's definitely really solid defensively. But he actually puts up points. He can move the puck pretty well. And for those of you who don't know, Corey spent almost an entire hockey season covering the Nashville Predators about a year and a year ago now year and a half ago probably a year and a half if a we're being honest <laughs> yeah so you have a uniquely um i think you have a good perspective on Ekholm as a player and that's that's the idea pair him with weber he's a true number three for us and maybe that'll solidify some more offense for off the back end that isn't just purely coming from jeff petrie Right. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I really did not hear any of these like rumblings on Twitter, but, um, yeah. Um, he actually was someone that I depicted last season was going to have a great, a great year. Um, cause he was going to get a little bit more time. Uh, I think his development was ready. Um, what you call it? He's, he's 30 now. So, I mean, he's, I, I feel like he's always been sadly on the back burner, with with Nashville just because of you know they got Ellis and and um UC not UC I'm sorry uh Yossi um but no he is a, he is a great player um like you said he comes off as more of a defensive oriented guy but he has no problem moving the puck he might not be the flashiest but at the same time we never really had an opportunity to see what he was capable of because he's not being paired with Ryan Ellis or Yossi so that you know he's not out there for the real critical offensive positions um well moments not positions Jesus Corey um but no he's he's a solid player and um you know, if we do have to shake something up, I could see him easily being someone that can that can be picked up relatively cheap because now Nashville's going through this this situation. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they got I think it's Duchesne and uh it might be Johansson. They're they're locking in, I think like sixteen million, you know, for the next I think one I think Johansson's four years and Duchesne's I think is either five or six. So they're they're in a bit of a rut. This team, sadly, is just not what it was just a few seasons back. And last year they were rated uh, the oldest team. the the average The average uh, age was twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a team that's definitely getting older. A lot of guys on this team, you know, now at least are twenty nine and above, and it's tough. You know, um, last season we got to see. Uh, I think it's Dante Fabry 
which was their rookie defenseman. Yeah, and that's, Fabro. That's yeah, Fabro. Thank you. Uh, that's good and all, but it's still you know having one youthful guy really didn't change the 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 dynamic of of last season. But with that being said, if this team does look for a change, Mateus Ekholm might be moved for relatively cheap. You know. Yeah, I I have seen the asking price not being so cheap. I'll be honest. Okay. Um, I've seen a first plus. Jesus, are you serious? But what I will say is, if you're gonna trade a first round pick, now might be the year to do it because I understand they're probably pushing the draft back to next year. Right. But like, scouting's gonna be fucked. It's a it's gonna be a weird draft. You're not going to get to see a lot of these guys play too much. Right. Scouting's going to be fucked. Uh, like you said, it's going to be a weird-ass draft. Also, it's like this could be one of those seasons. Now, granted, I haven't really looked into the futures at all. So, you know, like especially it hasn't been brought to my attention. Like there's not – I guess the pool hasn't been as big as the last two seasons. You know, um, I, I've never really heard of an, uh, a Lafreniere – or Bo Byram, or, or any of that, you know, maybe it's when it gets closer to it, you know, it'll be more presented, you know, it'll be all over the streams a little bit more, but this isn't, I haven't really heard anything of like this, this, this useful crop coming in. That's going to be, you know, the next um, game changing player, you know? Um, so maybe this is a season that can, that, that can be done, but I'm a little, I'm a little spectacle about a first, a first plus, I'm sorry. He is 30. He's about to turn. He's about to turn 31. Um, I mean, he's a fourth round pick. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's bad. You know, people can develop, but I just don't think that you got to see a lot of what he could be capable with on another team. You know, like he he did great in Nashville. If he does get moved on, but I don't so think he think- really had a chance to shine there. He was never given the a situation to to play better than what was expected. He never got that, that move up. Yeah. But that's, I think, I think that's, I'm going to advocate for him after like granted, (laughs) like I'll defer to you because you've seen him play more, Mm -hmm. but he's six foot four, two (laughs) fifteen, is a true left defenseman. I think that's the key here because our left side isn't, is not that strong. For a top pair, like Petrie's gonna be on the second. He's our best defenseman, but he's that second pairing. Don't touch him and Edmondson. They're our best pair. Yeah, that we that definitely is moving to our top line. Yeah, we need someone who can play with with Petrie. And Matthias Ekholm has thirty four points from this is from two thousand seventeen to eighteen. He has thirty four points, forty four points, or no, sorry, yeah, thirty four points, forty six. Wait, am I reading penalty minutes? Sorry. 20, <laughs> 23 points, 34 points, 44 points, 33 and 68 last year. He was on pace for probably a career year. He's got 10 and 21 on an absolutely dismal uh, Predators team this year, right? So I do see the argument because he can be a true number three who can solidify us defensively, but also move the puck. So I, I understand the idea because I guess you have to look at it two ways. Does this team 
we've seen this team at its peak and we can compete for a Stanley Cup championship when we're playing good hockey. We're not right now. So do you go all in? If you're Bergevin, do you go all in and try to make it happen? Because honestly, I don't think Bergevin lasts. He's not going to get another chance to rebuild. Okay, so that 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 is a good point because we've seen the drastic movements that he's made to save his, you know, his career as GM. And I think it's smart, you know, like he saw he saw a problem here, he fixed it. He saw a problem, you know, with the PK, he fixed it. He saw a problem with the coach, he fixed it. You know, like this is all to save his career, but it hasn't been wrong so far. You know, we've talked so many times on how, you know, we thought this the trades were fucked, you know, and, and his situ his his ideals were just mad, but they've never truly been wrong. They've never really been like in a in a negative they, they never really left us messed over, you know, maybe one season when everyone was injured, but that's it. After that, every, every trade has looked phenomenal on our end. Every movement, you know, uh, has looked great. Why not? You know, uh, you got to see it last, last year, a little bit with, uh, with Ekholm when <laughs> Corey Perry uh, destroyed Ryan Ellis and the, uh, <laughs> in the winter classic, um, that was really one of the only moments when there was a, a, a movement for Ekholm to take a, a better spot. And he did get more, you know, he, he did get a little bit more and that's, that's really great for him because, you know, that was a little, a little glimpse of, of possibly what he could do, but that team was also struggling. And that's what sucks so much is that if we could have saw a movement, you know, the year that PK went over there, you know, when they were just a little bit more, I guess, together, you know, it, it's kind of like San Jose, like, I don't, it, maybe it's like a penguins curse. You 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 meet the penguins in the fucking Stanley Cup, and then you deteriorate over the next four years. Um, but no, this is a guy who was a top ten for Norris uh, candidate in the uh, eighteen nineteen season at twenty eight years old. I mean, he had a he has reasonable um, statistics as far as offensively. Um, but one big thing about him is that he is a like shot blocking defenseman. Like he has no problem. Uh, taking the body and just really risking it to save the boys. He's, he's over a hundred every season um, for the past, like six so far, well, actually more, it's about seven. Um, he finds a way to be um, important in the game. And that's what I like about him. And I think that that comes from the desperateness of, of wanting to, to play better um, and, and, and get a little bit more recognition so I think Mateus Ekholm would be a great fit for us, truthfully. Um, I just guess that in my time watching him, I was watching him in a decline of Nashville, and it seemed like the, the, the team together in itself was in a bad rut. You know, there was very, very little scoring, eight-game eight losing droughts. And you know what? He's one of the, the people from the very beginning of that season where I said he could be an easy impact player if he's given the ability to to get more time, play more, you know, be more a part of of big moments. And maybe he could do that with uh, with Montreal. Yeah, for sure. I'm I mean, current salary is only three mil, too. So we we would have to make room. Um yeah, something, you know, we would have to move something, obviously. And but I don't know exactly how I feel about it. 
I'm not like totally against it. I think it's interesting. I guess would be the best way I could put it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of, I'm like not totally opposed to it, if I'll be perfectly honest, but it depends on what's going the other way. Because I'm willing to give up a first round draft pick if it means this team can take the next step. But I'm not sure it's our defense entirely that needs the help. I think Sherratt, if he can return to play, can be the guy there with Weber. But he's proven this season I don't know if he can, right? So I'm kind of stuck here. I do think we need to make a move. This team needs a spark. We need something to change. But I'm not sure that move is going to be – solidifying the back end mm-hmm. but i also don't know what you change in the forwards so do you have any like it, it's a tricky situation especially for mark bergeron because you you've already put all your cards on the table mm-hmm. realistically the only next the next thing i can think of is hope wisconsin gets out <laughs> really quickly and cole caulfield which i don't even know if that would be best for cole's development i think sometime the hl might suit him better mm-hmm. But fuck it. Like, if you're Mark Bergevin, you're not thinking long-term right now. You're thinking, you know, I got to win. I got to make the playoffs this year. Right. And and I, I like how you put that, though. So, like, my mind initially when you when you brought up, you know, the at-home situation, my mind just drastically went to, okay, if they want a one, you know, a, a first overall plus – my, my brain went to, no, you know, like, if we can avoid that, okay. You know, but if it had to be player for player, it would be Ben Sherratt if you had the change on the D. I'm not the biggest fan of that because I don't feel like – I don't feel like this is the end of Ben Sherratt, and I don't know if that's just because I'm expecting him to play better because, I've you know, he's been such an integral part as far as, you know, like basically our, our parent to kill um, – quarterback you know as you could say but like you know he he has really been great for this team and this has just been a declining year for him you know do you move and it's a move too early because I feel like if you swap them over he could find Ben Sherratt once again and then we would just be adding in a very well puck moving defenseman and that could be really it you know because Ben Sherratt has, has seen the top you know, we know what to expect from him. And at any moment, he could, you know, he could snap and that could be back, you know. And it, we don't know if it's a rut or if this is the decline of his his career. And Mateus Ekholm, I just don't feel has had enough to really see what you, – I know what he's capable of, but can he bring that, you know, to, to a bigger line, to a more, a more promising area? And do we lose that trade because we just brought in more – you know, more meat on the defense and not much else. Yeah. I, I'm kind of like, what, what would you give up? I guess, what are you willing, I guess it really falls down to what are you willing to um, give up in this, in a trade this season to help improve us. Right. So if you're willing to give up a plus, go out and get not even, even if it's not necessarily Matthias outcome, Go out and get a puck-moving defenseman who's solid defensively. Mm-hmm. Go out, do that, make your move. But I think 
that's where it kind of lies. What is Mark Bershman willing to give up? What are you as a fan willing to give up? Because I do think we have to, and I, I really mean this, we have to do something. We can't. You're 100% right because there's going to be fucking tears, like 100%. Like if we make a move, we're now moving a key member, and that's just how it's going to fucking be. Like it's either going to be like a first-round draft pick and and a lovable come-up guy, you know, like a Byron or like a Kulak or a Mete. See, that's the thing, though. I don't see us moving a center. Because mm. when you really look at it, Jake Evans gets scratched last night and Paul Byron's in at mm-hmm. center. We don't have any centers on our taxi squad. Yeah. So if Philip Deneau gets shipped out of town and we're not getting a center in return, who's what's our center depth? Jake Evans on the third and Ryan Paling? Right. On the fourth, who's playing mediocre in the AHL right now. He's in a bit of a slump. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think Lucas Videmo, our um, leading scorer in the AHL, he deserves a shot because this team needs, um, like I said, needs a spark, <laughs> really desperately needs a spark. But I, to get back to my point, if you trade Philip Deneau and you're not getting another center of similar caliber, to replace him, what would he do? Like we don't have, we don't have anyone to replace him. That's a tough sell right now because even if he even, I mean, kudos to him, congratulations on getting his first goal, you know. But um, I truthfully feel like if this team gets out of a funk, we're gonna see like a big surge in him. I think that you know that that weight has been lifted off of him. Um, but if you move him, that is such a risk because. This is an off season, you know. He wasn't like this last. He wasn't like this the year before. You know, like we were screaming for Selkie, you know, before the season started. Um, so I don't think that that's truly gone. I think it's just a rut. You see it sometimes when people, you know, the the aggravation of dealing with contract renewals and shit like that can really affect a a season. So if you move this guy, you're truly losing a lot, you know, not just offensively, but like, I mean, this is a selkie guy, you know, this is a selkie snub that always gets, you know, overlooked. And he's one of the, the key guys that's always brought up um, when talking to other players. So who's like one guy you don't want to go up against against Montreal. Um, it's normally, you know, Dan, out. you know, people oh, no, like, I, I totally agree. So I don't think that that's wise, period. I don't think that, you know, everyone wants to ship Deneau, and that is not the case. Like, If Philip Deneau's – if the news of Philip Deneau's contract, which, by the way, I think Darren Dreger or Pierre Lebrun, one of the big insiders said they didn't know how much validity there really was to that claim. Right. I think it was Pierre Lebrun saying – like, I don't, he doesn't really think that was the truth. Mm-hmm. But then he also added, Deneau hasn't denied it. But, you know, like, take it with a grain of salt, I think, is the message here. That doesn't come out. Our fan base is nowhere near as rabid in their takedown of Philip Deneau. <laughs> is he going to be brutally assaulted because it's Montreal? Yeah. But they have been vicious. 
And I agree with you. Um, Philip Deneau has played phenomenal ever since we've acquired him. He's gotten better and better and better. Like you said, it, like I genuinely believe he should have won the Selkie last year. Well, he can have a bad year. Mentioned. It just sucks that it's his contract year. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. We ship Philip Deneau. Next year, he's probably going to be a Selkie forward again. But the question is, what is he asking? Because are we going to be able to keep him in the offseason? Right. So it's definitely an interesting debate to have. I'm on the side of keep Philip Deneau because this team's not, you know what? This team, we talked a lot about how much its success um, is basically based off Suzuki and KK. Deneau plays just as big a role in that. If he doesn't get his game back, this team wasn't going anywhere anyway. And I don't, I don't see us being able to replace him with another player who can provide more than what he has or more than without paying out the ass that is right. Okay. I think, I think if we, if we, you know, we can't, we can't see the future, but if we stay within a playoff position at the end of this season, we're going to notice that, yeah, he might not have been the offensive you know, number one center we had last season. But he's definitely going to be one of the top reasons why we make the playoffs. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, rut, rut aside, I think that when it comes down closer to the end, he's going to he's gonna have more of a – I wouldn't say a commitment, but more, more of a – his play is going to be more beneficial to this team staying within a, a spot you know, and if we do make, if they do run into a bubble situation again, if they if they try it again, or if we do make the playoffs, I think that, you know, if he does have a, a rough season and we do make the playoffs, I think that that's that's going to be a big moment for him. Uh, he's more of a clutch player right now, it seems, and I wouldn't be surprised that at the end of the season we really look back and after everything's accumulated, he really didn't have a rough season. It might have been a rough you know, first half of the season, but I think he's going to find his stride with us for, uh, regardless of, of what's going on with him. But I, I know truthfully, you know, like it's got to be, uh, you know, just mentally exhausting to deal with, you know, contract year, the COVID and, and it being in a COVID year too. And, you know, this team developing around him, you know, so much movement, it's, it's got to be frustrating, you know, it's got to be tough. Yeah, and I think the whole team is dealing with these expectations that were established not only in the offseason, but at the start of the year with how they performed. Mm-hmm. They're trying to live up to that. And I don't think that this team is that. That was everything clicking. Um, yeah. I will say it's a little frustrating that our skaters, our players are slumping as our goalie's finally playing good and our mm-hmm. goalie was playing like shit when our skaters were playing good. It's, it's, it's a little frustrating the timing didn't align, but I do I still believe that this team has the ability to make the playoffs and do well once we get to the playoffs. And I will say, as sickening as it is to as a, for a Habs fan to say this, and you know I must be getting truly desperate for what I'm about to utter, but... If you are a Habs fan, 
you should be watching the Leafs every night and hoping they kick the shit <laughs> out of every team they play because we can't we need the the points you know what I'm saying it's when the Leafs win that's two points for us at this point <laughs> we're not catching them so yeah fucking go Leafs honestly when they're playing the Jets go Leafs fucking go I don't care oh, I got Freddie Anderson and fantasy it's a double-edged sword for me <laughs> I'm sure Kenny's gonna hear this and just fucking just love it no I bet no oh. but you, you got it like I don't the Jets won last night I was upset <laughs> yeah my cousin's like uh my cousin follows san jose and nashville too um and he's like yeah dude we you know both my teams are just slumping so hard so i've been watching fucking toronto and i'm just like why the fuck would you watch toronto i'm like don't bandwagon them right now like fuck out of here <laughs> well uh, do you have any other points, Dad? Well, yeah. So uh, I got I got a quick one. I know we got to get up out of here soon. Um, I knew you had one. Yeah. But look, so so you brought it up. You know, the goaltending slump in the beginning is no longer there, and I think Ducharme has really implemented his new goaltending philosophies. I know it's 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 not him being the goaltend. You know, the goaltending coach, but uh, but I think it's I think Shot it comes down to it's his you know, ideals to allow Carey Price to play more. You know, in the beginning, we saw it was split 50-50 with Jake Allen. And Jake Allen really showed that he was going to be a dominant, you know, backup goalie. Now, Carey Price, it seemed, didn't have enough starts to really find his rhythm. And I think that we got an example and, and you know, Deshaun trying something different. You know, Carey Price's last five starts, which has been predominant, I think um, Jake Allen – opposite of the other night um he's he's played on the fourth and the 11th you know so he's had a tremendous gap in between you know playing every other night but Kerry Place in his last five starts is three one and one uh he's averaging uh and this is all of them together uh, a 0.952 um save saves percentage and I think he's he's only allowed seven goals on 140 42 I believe shots so I mean Carey Price has definitely been given a chance to get back in that rhythm. And I think that's something that this team needs right now, considering, you know, we're having a goal, uh, a goal scoring slump. The best thing we can do is get Carey Price into, you know, his rhythm and really dominate. I'm a bit nervous about Jake Allen not getting his reps because we saw how well he did when we needed him. And I'm afraid that that could go in an opposite direction because he's not being utilized as much anymore. But I think that Jake Allen can be crucial to us when we really need him. And I'm just very, very proud of Carey Price's play as of late. Um, It's really been a much needed improvement for this team. And if the boys can rally around him and, you know, if he has great nights and we can just find a way to at least send it into OT and get to the playoffs because we went to OT fucking 35 times, then so be it. Oh, and. I'll reiterate reiterate what I was saying last episode about overtime. We gotta start fucking winning overtime games. Hundred percent. Like from this moment on, I don't want us to lose another overtime game. That is the one thing. This team will bounce back from this mini slump, and uh, their five on five on five play will return. Our three on three needs to get better. If there's one thing Ducharme needs to work on, it's that. But yeah. 
in saying that, I think that's going to end it for today. Um, since you brought us in, how about you take us out, buddy? No problem. Uh, folks, this has been Habs Nightly. Thank you all so much for giving us a listen. Um, if you could please follow us at Habs Nightly and buy your vendors on Twitter, we'd be really appreciated. Wherever you guys are listening to this, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps with, uh, with getting us out there a little bit further. And you guys have a great start to your week, and we'll talk to you all next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey there. Have you ever thought to yourself, I really like hockey and I'd love a show to listen to, but I also don't have enough nonsense in my life and questionable opinions. I got the show for you, bud. And there's some really, really thirsty person in that group, okay? That will be like, I'll give you $7 for that lemonade. And the $2 person is like, whoa, okay, walking away. That person's crazy. That is exactly what happens in free agency all the time. And that is a really good metaphor. And if you don't appreciate it, put the phone down. Get out of here. We don't want you around. You can't say, hey, you tripped this guy, but also he dove. Well, if he dove, I didn't trip him. If you're a goalie, just, you know, chill. You don't have to do as much as you think you need to do. But also, we talk about hockey. So go check out Siren Sounder, a Canes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday and after every playoff game during the playoffs. Let's go, Canes!